gotta listen to the way people talk. You don't say affirmative or some shit like that. You say, no problemo. And if someone comes off to you with an attitude, you say, eat me. And if you want to shine them on, it's hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, or later, dickwad. And if someone gets upset, you say, chill out. Or you could do combinations. Chill out, dickwad. This is Film Slob. Welcome to the show. Once again, Caesar Gonzalez. I'm here with Patrick Kelly. Hey, Caesar. Baby boy. Today we're talking about Terminator 2, a movie from 1991. Yep, that's that's right. For sure, 1991. Um, by the way, Patrick, welcome back. Oh, thank you. From the Eastern Seaboard, I believe. Yeah, I was in New Jersey, smoking cigars and canoes. Mm-hmm. And Getting stung by hornets. Oof, sounds going painful. To, going to bachelor bachelor parties and weddings. Yeah, and responsibly quarantining. <laughs> Good to have you back. We're not so responsibly. <laughs> so, oh, the lockdown referred to uh, uh, something else. I was studying for a test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, hopefully that went well. Um, so today we're talking about Terminator 2. And Terminator 2 is a big one. Terminator 2, I mean, like, how many times... Have you inadvertently said, like, I'll be back or something like that? You yeah, know? yeah. Like, it, Terminator 2 is, like, locked into the culture. And I think you had a question about, like, why this one instead of Terminator 1? Yeah, for, for ex- to highlight that exactly, right? Because yes. Terminator 2 is such, um, it's got such a uh, cultural legacy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's what comes to mind, and it's, like, the quintessential movie that where the sequel is better than the original. I can't even really think of any other examples where that's that's the case. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can think of other things in, like, other forms of culture, maybe music or something. Um, some I remember I was listening to NPR, and they're talking about Michael Jackson and how, um, you know, technically, like, it shouldn't feel right listening to him anymore, but somebody was explaining like how it's so ingrained in the culture. It's just like part of American DNA to be into the stuff. Yeah. I feel the same way about Terminator two. It's just like, you can't take it out of the DNA of America. You know, it's ingrained in too many things. It's in so many movies, so many references. I mean, those images are iconic. Um, I spent a lot of time with this movie as a kid, like me too. Yeah. So much, which is ridiculous. I mean, 1991, I don't know, four, four years old, five years old, something like that. Yeah. I think for me, I saw it on TV. Maybe, Probably when I was like ten or twelve or something like that. I'm not. I'm not entirely unsure that I that I didn't see it in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know. My parents. I don't. I would. I would watch things like this for sure. Mm. I remember. I mean, I saw. I saw seven in theaters. Yikes! <laughs> when did that come out? Uh, I don't know. It's like it's ninety-seven or something. Uh, I think it's like ninety-seven. Ten, Ten-year-old Caesar. Yeah, yeah. I fully saw <laughs> seven in theaters. I do remember that for a fact. But I remember. Which is a strange thing. I had action figures. I had Terminator 2 action figures. And I, I don't know. I'm not like an action figure collector now, but is that still a thing that happens? Like movies like that? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's a pretty adult movie. And I was playing. I remember having like an Arnold Terminator um, action figure on a bike, you know, and it's mm. like face half ripped off and stuff like that. I had the Harley. Like it was a full set. Um I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. And if it does, it's more geared toward, toward adults. But I, I mean, I wouldn't find those like a Toys R Us or something. Yeah. I, I used to love Mortal, Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat. Exactly. Figures, yeah. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And um, it was like all the rage in uh, elementary school. Like all of the, all of the kids <laughs> had Mortal Kombat and action yeah. figures. You would act like you were in Mortal Kombat or something. Yeah. I still have drawings. My dad saved drawings in this chest and like, I would draw all these like Mortal Kombat scenes of like, yeah. like heads being ripped off with spines just dangling and bloody. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're already off topic, but like Christmas morning when I was like eight years old or whatever, and I, I had been begging my parents to get me Mortal Kombat for uh, Sega Genesis. Yeah. You know, uh, I they're, you know, good enough to get it for me, <laughs> open it up, put it in. Uh, I had been playing it already at friends' houses and stuff like that, so I knew all the fatalities. And so, you know, just imagine like a family 
together around the Christmas tree watching me rip a guy's spine out of his body. I love that. Yeah. And then it's like a warm fire. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if my parents knew what they got me. (laughs) My parents are fully aware. Like I I, I just have have these images of the same thing. Family gathered around the TV watching me play video games. And it's very like similar stuff to that, you know? Yeah. Um, Also, Um, yeah. You wanted to say something? uh, Well, I was like, are we going to talk about Terminator 2? <laughs> Eventually, Eventually. I, mean, I mean, let Mortal Kombat shine. We're yeah. not going to talk about that at any point. <laughs> Unless um, I also think, like, I just recently returned to this movie because I, I mean, it is a sci-fi, it is action, but I recently returned to this movie because I've been in. I don't know. I've just been returning to action movies in general, mm. and I feel like that says something about my age. Like, I think um, maybe at some point in my life, maybe in, during my twenties, I felt like. I was above it or something. Mm. I spent a long time not watching action movies, mostly art films, you know, uh, French new wave, German films, Italian films, mostly things that were black and white. You just don't see much action in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, maybe a a little bit of that sentiment is still with me because, um, you know, and I, you know, just to relate to that, like maybe a little bit of that is still with me because when you, um, you suggested Terminator two for the podcast and I was like, uh, a, a little bit leery of it at first until I watched it and I was like, Oh wow, this is it. I think it's been a while since I seen it, but Oh really? Excellent. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. And I, I really, really love it. Yeah. Um, it, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's, uh, it brings, um, it's, it's really, really great sci-fi uh, mm-hmm. and, and concepts that are, that are in sci-fi that, that, uh, hadn't been done this well in an action action movie yeah it's like high concept but not hard to understand yeah yeah like i think even back to the future might be a little more complicated than this Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's like pretty digestible i would say in a sense which you know makes it more accessible and enjoyable in a way for you know a wider audience maybe that's also why it was so popular yeah um but it makes me think i mean i i think i'm thinking about like why we're I don't know if you are in the same way that I am, but like why we're drawn to action movies. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, I think when people think about it as a whole, they think action movies, like guy movies, maybe that's a thing I I can't speak yeah. <laughs> for anything outside of that. But James Cameron, um, I, I was listening um, to him speak about Terminator 2, and he says that Terminator 2 speaks to like the darkest part of the human psyche, mm. the part that, you know, People just want to do whatever they want, whenever they want. And that's what kind of gets you off about this movie is that fucking Arnold is in there like taking bullets, just like blowing like people, well, not blowing people away because they didn't kill anybody most of this yeah, movie actually. Just kneecapping everybody. Yeah, like <laughs> taking their bikes, taking yeah. their clothes. Um, and I think there's something like very primitive and essential about like that instinct, you know, um, this darkness inside of us. I'm sure, mm. I'm, I'm sure like Malcolm Gladwell has talked about it or something, you know, <laughs> about this deep desire that we have just to act on our most, you know, our most base instincts. Yeah. And kind of the way I think about an action movie is the entertainment, entertainment that we derive from it is, is like you just go and turn your brain off and be stimulated by the explosions and, and, all, and the action. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, it's gratuitous. And I mean, um, I appreciate that, but all my favorite action movies have like really well thought out sequences mm-hmm. that are, are, are clever and not gratuitous. Um, like I don't get the same enjoyment from a Marvel movie um, that I do from like the matrix or point break or Terminator two. Mm. Uh, I just don't get that same kind of thrill or enjoyment. Um, I just get like this, like, I don't know, like a shiver or something. Like I want to slap my fucking knee when I watch Terminator two, because it has like such well thought out action sequences and it makes sense within the greater story. And that greater story is very like solid yeah uh it's 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 cohesive it makes uh it makes a lot of sense um and it's it's like visionary in a way especially when you first watch this you know we haven't really seen anything like it before this i mean besides terminator one but but even even then yeah even then it's like a different genre a little bit you know like terminator one kind of belongs in the horror genre and and uh uh, Terminator two is more concept sci-fi and action. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Know. Terminator one still has that low budget feel. It has that, mm-hmm. that grimy feel. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it has this like this kind of lo fi quality and even Arnold looks like a bootleg version of yeah. himself in that movie. <laughs> and, it, and it was low budget. Right? It was, uh, 
Yeah, I don't remember what the budget was, but it was low. I mean, yeah, compared yeah. to Terminator 2, I mm-hmm. bet money that it was yeah. like, in comparison, low budget for sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just going back to that, that question, it's worth ling- lingering on. Um, why why did we pick Terminator 2? Because it's it's just so, it's so good uh, com- compared to Terminator 1. Uh, yeah. You know, I can barely even remember. I don't even know when the last time I saw it, and I don't know. I think I saw Terminator One after Terminator Two. That that's a fact. I saw Terminator One after Terminator Two, uh-huh. and uh, it, you know, seemed wrong to me that uh, Arnold should be the bad guy. Yeah. You know? did, uh, did it like oh well when oh yeah if you're watching him in reverse, definitely it's gonna seem off. Yeah. And I was thinking about that as I watched Terminator Two, um, how exciting and dynamic that must have been. If you had seen Terminator, Terminator 1, one first. first, if you were yeah. living in the moment when this movie came out and you were sitting in a theater and um, you see a yeah, cop. It's such a cool thing that yeah. Cameron does that. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arnold's the, the good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that might be something that's lost, like how well-crafted that reveal is. Mm. Um, especially like when he pulls that shotgun out of the roses and they fall to the floor in slow motion. Yeah. Um, my, like, Oh my God, that's so fucking good. And I, I, it's sad that we're like losing a layer of that. Yeah. You know, right, just right. from, just from us seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Comes. Yeah. Cause it might, it must've been like so surprising. Um, I fucking love that. I love that reveal. And I love thinking about that. Like I, I like to watch a movie um, and think about like what it must've been like to be there at the moment they like came out in the theater, you yeah, know, I mean, yeah. that might mean at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because the, yeah, this is a, um, you know, a movie that, you know, as we mentioned already, it has like a cultural imprint, like the, there's a real legacy with this movie, like, um, not just in its own franchise. Cause there's like six Terminator yeah. movies and shows and yeah. stuff like that. But I think this movie specifically, yeah. yeah. Not even like yeah. the franchise as a whole, but like this movie specifically has the mm. cultural, most cultural impact, I think, out of all of them. I think so, yeah. 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 Um, and I, I think it inspired a lot of uh, a lot of movies, like movies movies that deal with time travel. Um, yeah. I think uh, there's like pre-Terminator 2 and post-Terminator 2 in like how movies depict time travel. Yeah. Was yeah. this, I don't know if this was an idea that was already thought about or in the air about setting. Mm, yeah. Like the paradoxical nature of it. Yeah. Like, this like, kind of setup. I mean, like back to the future yeah. definitely talks about like the paradox of like. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they get to do yeah. some paradoxical talking. Yeah. Back quite, to the quite literal grandfather paradox. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Back to the future gets into that. And I'm pretty sure that was, Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. That if is, ter- I think, it, I think, Back to the Future precedes uh, Terminator 2. I think it's maybe, uh, man, I don't know. Precedes Mid- Terminator 2, but I'm not sure about one. I should have looked about that one. up. Yeah. Um, but I think Back to the Future is like the only thing I've seen that talks about time in, in like this sort of way, like a time travel movie. And then obviously time travel movies, they just happen over and over and over again. And now like, I don't know, like and now it's like something else than it was. It doesn't feel creative anymore. It just feels like it feels like a crutch for like lazy writers now. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's like uh, the Avengers uh, Endgame, you know, has this whole time travel plot and uh, they address it oh a little my. bit differently. Yeah. You know, it's they do they you do the parallel quantum yeah. you know, universe. Yeah. Uh, and it, it felt fact, it, it felt stupid in that movie. I mean, like, yeah. it, you know, it makes for good action and stuff like that. And sure, I was in like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll buy into that. But it just felt like so like, where is this coming from? Like, you like, have you ever talked about time travel in this yeah. fucking universe? Like 15 <laughs> movies later? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, Tony Stark solves it in a night. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, speaking of action movies, I don't think we've ever like really discussed our taste in movies, which is, you know, kind of funny for me. So like, as I was writing this, I was thinking about like, or my notes, I mean, that's what I mean when I say writing this. Um, when I was thinking about my notes about action movies, don't know, don't know if you're into action movies. Um, like I'm not, I'm not opposed to action movies. Either. Yeah. Like are like are some of your favorite movies, action movies. Uh, Cause I was thinking about my favorite movies and like, I mean like this is probably like sad to say, but like at least like two of them, this one and the matrix are my, like they're up there for me, you know? Yeah. Me too. The matrix is one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess the answer is yes. yes. And, and I think, um, I, I think the matrix is kind of like on topic here because there's, clear connections between them that assault on the office building. I mean, when the four of them are walking in with their trench coats, you know, that's like straight out, you know, matrix, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, re- you remember, um, that 
Yeah, that scene in particular when the assault on the office building. Yeah. They come in through the uh, the lobby. Yeah. They're dealing with the guards, right? Yeah. Um, in both movies, the guards are oblivious to this like grander uh, conflict that's that's going on. Yeah. Um, they they tie up uh, the security guard's name is Gibbons, and I only remember that because the scene is so funny. Because uh, like fucking Gibbons, yeah. The, the other guard comes by and he's not at his desk. And he's like Gibbons, come on, man, you can't leave the desk like that. And so he goes into the bathroom and finds him taped up. And, always doing this shit. Yeah. And the way he says, "Oh shit," is exactly the way that. The guard says, oh, shit, when Neo opens up his trench coat oh, in yeah. the Matrix and all of the guns are in, like <laughs> under his coat, uh, the guard says, oh, shit, <laughs> like the exact same way. And that, like I just saw so many connections to the Matrix and, and it made me wonder, like, um, and going to the point of Terminator 2's cultural legacy, does the Matrix get made if you don't have Terminator 2? I really don't two? think so. I, the, yeah. There's like really similar ideas being thrown around as far as like technology. Mm-hmm. Like there's no hope for the future, but you know, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think these are both like kind of walking that line. Um, right. Yeah. I, I think it probably under closer examination of the two, you can probably like draw a similar like just roadmap through the both these movies, you know? Yeah. As far as like star structure and themes and stuff like that. Um, Especially the themes of, um, you know, I mean, the Matrix doesn't really touch time travel, but it's, um, you know, the same thing of like, um, of of like the ethical perils of of technology, right? Yeah. And um, like pure rationality and like, because that's kind of what what the machines represent. Yeah. Like our, our, uh, like the, the pressure to advance technologically, like creating something that, that we can't you know, control anymore. It's like it runs away of its own accord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like the Matrix could just be like really just like a, a sequel mm-hmm. to Terminator. Like, let's say, you know, robots took over, you know, yeah. uh, they they won the war and then, you know, they create the Matrix. Yeah. Um, like easily, you could, you could just say those things are in the same universe and that would make perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, totally. Yeah, um, they're completely adjacent. And uh, I think that... I mean, I, I buy into these because I am like um, a big technology, like fail this kind of guy. And I don't, <laughs> I don't like build my identity around this. <laughs> like, I guess. Some but you <laughs> like recognize it in yourself. Yeah, yeah, I do recognize that in myself. Like if somebody brings it up, like I'm, I'm like the first guy at a bar to be like, you ever heard of simulation theory? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go off about this, you know, especially if I have a good buzz going. Yeah. Um, this is why we're friends, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It just like, I'm just like, it's all there. Like yeah. <laughs> all the signs are there. We're here. But I think, you know, it, it's easy to buy into movies like this when your brain is like wired in this way. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seems like so prophetic in a way. Yeah. Cause it, it's really tapping into something. Cause it's like, the, uh, there's, there's lots of different kinds of sci-fi. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, like, uh, You've got like just the space adventures that are just like, um, you know, like Star Wars or something. That's just like it's not really uh, focusing in on any kind of like narrow, like philosophical or ethical question yeah. or something. It's just like the hero story, the hero, yeah. you know. And uh, you've got like Star Trek, which is more optimistic about like a, a um, you know techno uh, technocratic future. Yeah. The the other kind of sci-fi that I really love, and it's like stuff by like Isaac Asimov and Philip K. Mm. Dick and yeah. uh, writers like that. Even like Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut is a writer like this, that it's like uh, they use sci-fi as like a way to narrow, like narrow down onto like a, a, a ethical question or philosophical question as, mm-hmm. it, as it relates like humankind's like constant pressure towards like technolo- technological advancement, you know, yeah. and especially over the last hundred, 200 years or something like that. Because mm-hmm. like, most of human history, you know, had like roughly the same level of um, technology. And then you hit, you know, the, the 1500s or whatever, and you get the scientific revolution. And yeah, you get and the, it's just exponential. Yeah, and, and then you get the industrial revolution. And then it's just, um, I think that's why like stories like this kind of resonate. And, and that feeling of technological fatalism comes up is because things are changing so fast. We cannot like yeah. handle it, you know. I mean, at this point, it's basically like year to year, maybe mm-hmm. even quicker than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moore's law. What's Moore's law? Like the number of uh, transistors in a chip doubles every two years or something like that. Something like that. I probably got that wrong, but doubling every two years, that's exponential. And yeah, we, uh, 
yeah, our, our technology is, is, is getting crazy fast. Uh, yeah. It's getting really crazy where it's, I don't know. Like I, I think, I mean, if, if, if you think about it, our, our, our phones are just like a, a copy of our, of us, like a brain, you know, yeah, like yeah. it has all our information knows what we like when we, you know, when we like it, like some, and, and some apps even keep track of like how long we look at pictures and stuff like that, you know, like it knows. It's so spooky. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it's scary, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's like, it's likely that our phone knows us better than we know ourselves in <laughs> yeah, a certain way. Right. Like it, it's almost going to know what we're going to do. Like, have you ever had this experience where you just thought about something and you got an ad for it? Like you didn't mm-hmm. even speak it out loud. Yeah. Um, it just knows, it knows your psychology or, yes. or the psychology of human beings in yes. general. Yes. It's like, it's seeing a pattern in the way you're living your life. And it's like people who live their lives this way tend to want to purchase things like yes. this oh my and then God, they dude. put it in your feed. I think the then, scariest thing that's ever happened to me is like, I saw this dude wearing Dickies and I was like, dude, I would look like pretty good in Dickies. I like, I only thought it like I yeah. only thought it and I got not an hour later, a Dickies ad in my Instagram. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> like it just, it just connected all the dots, you know, it yeah. just connected all the dots from my mind and like who I was around and it knew that I would like, look at this guy's pants and be like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and I think about the, like the cloud and um, like, like what, like the cloud is like this, just like this digital version of like this collective unconscious, you know, that that was like this big thing, you know, and like what more is like the cloud of information than like all this information about us and what we think and what we, you know, know and feel and stuff like that. And fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And and what makes uh, Terminator two age so well? is like it's has that intuition still there like the intuition yeah. is is magnified now you yeah know, maybe maybe terminator 2's aged you know like a fine wine you know like it's even better now than it was when it when yeah when most it came out. Was, most definitely what i'm what my question is like i don't i don't know like where where is this coming from like james i don't think james cameron just like pull us pulled this out of his ass like this you know like well yeah he, uh, <laughs> uh, he actually got in trouble i think for uh uh plagiarizing oh really uh, yeah the terminator um there's a writer his name is harlan ellison he oh wrote, okay uh, he wrote an episode of the outer limits back in the 60s called the soldier yeah uh, and it, it was that time traveling soldier premise yeah. okay um, i don't think it was robots but he was like the time tra- time traveling soldier yeah um the uh so I, I don't know if it's the the case is like open and shut but like there's some potentially something there like they settled out of court or something and and ellison's name is in the credits now i think uh yeah. Uh, for, oh, is for it Terminator? Yeah. For like story or something? Yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, so there's a partial answer to the question of like where Cameron got this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his story is that he was filming a movie in Italy. He caught the flu and then had this fever dream about uh, a, a like a machine sent back from like yeah from the future to kill him. Oh wow! But yeah, yeah, that's that's what I read. That like that's what James Cameron like. That's where it came from. And this would have been in the seventies, eighties, something like that. Something like so, that. Yeah, so, when, when he just like started working out uh, or working yeah. on movies. You know, I think he he was at Fullerton College. Oh yeah, James Cameron's got kind of an interesting origin story, right? Yeah, so yeah. He went to f- yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. He He's from Canada originally, and then uh, his family moved to Brea, California. He was. Mm. Um, Went to high schools around there. He ended up at Fullerton College. Um, I think he left probably uh, prematurely, became a truck driver, saw Star Wars, quit his truck driving job, and decided to start making movies. So, Star Wars that did it. Yeah. I mean, like it does it for everyone, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he goes to make movies. He makes a short, and then he starts working on like sets. Like He's like a set guy. Like He's really into mechanics and machini- machinery and that like makes sense mm. for this movie. Like his obsession with that, you know, yeah. or you think about the abyss. He li- People would say about him in high school, he likes things that like go in the air, or go underwater. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at his, uh, filmography and was noticing some odd trends, you know? Yeah. yeah. The, the abyss, uh, yeah. Titanic. Um, uh, I think he's got another documentary about submarines. Yeah. Um, so he, he does like a lot of, uh, uh, underwater stuff. Yeah, he's just into like engineering and big machines and stuff like that. They say he like basically he made Titanic because he's obs- obsessed with like shipwrecks. Mm. Like that was like his pa- like his passion project was just to like dive and see the wreckage. You know, like yeah. everything else was just like a bonus. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, he just happened to make a a great movie. I mean, like I, I like it. I just I just recently got back into Titanic and like I watched it like three times in a week or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I gotta watch that again. Good stuff. It's been a while. So 1990. I don't know. 
I don't know what was going on in 1990. I don't want to pretend to know what's going on in 1990. I know that yeah, James Cameron is like a like a philanthropist. Oh, yes, I didn't know that. Yeah, like he has all these like um, businesses to make the world like uh, quote unquote greener and stuff like oh, that. Really? You know, yeah, he's like an environmentalist philanthropist. He's really interested in those things. You can see it in this movie. Um, I don't think that's like probably specifically tied to 1990 that's you know <laughs> still relevant today so i don't think like 1990 has any significance concerning yeah. this especially since this film is still so prescient but what we do know is that terminator one was a hit let's talk about this movie let's just like um let's dive into this movie talk about what it's about um what do you want to talk about first um i like uh, the difference between uh, sarah connor in the first movie and in the second movie yeah um you know, if I'm remembering the uh, Terminator 1, right, Sarah Connor in the first movie is more, you know, like the, it's it's the classic damsel in distress, right? Yeah. And she is not that in the second movie, you know, uh, you know, in, in the plot, she learns, right, in the first movie that she's going to be the mother to a great leader of the human race yeah. uh, in this war against the machines. So Terminator 1 ends and all of those intervening years between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, she's training to be um, prepared for this war. Yeah. Uh, so when you see her in Terminator 2, she's like, you know, totally, totally tough. She's ripped. Yeah, she's ripped. And, you know, like I've, she, she might be like doing pull-ups the first time you see her, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they're looking at her, um, they're looking at her through that small window of the door and she has the bed flipped. And it's interesting what these years do to her, you know? She, yeah, she becomes obsessed. She becomes, she's been locked up since in this facility and she's kind of obsessed with this idea and of like being prepared for it and keeping her son alive where, I mean, basically, it pretty much destroys her life. This information yeah. destroys her life in a, in a sense. Yeah. Like, um, obviously she's not thinking about anything outside of this, you know? And there's no way for a society, um, or, um, yeah, I guess that's the word, a society to deal with a person like this who has foreknowledge of the apocalypse and, uh, can tell us all how to prevent it. Yeah. Um, what do they do with they they got to lock her up you know she like there's an i mean it would granted, be the, like <laughs> how do you substantiate the claim that like here's the you know like it, it would be the same thing robots if like gonna, there was like yeah. a modern jesus or something like that there's no way yeah. to, there's no way to deal <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what, what would we do i mean if i can throw them throw them in jail <laughs> so that seems that seems accurate yeah that's yeah yeah it, it does seem accurate it seems more than accurate yeah <laughs> it seems like pretty sure it's happened yeah <laughs> Um, well, what did, what did you like about the movie? I mean, I think what I like about this is that there, I, James Cameron is like obsessed with technology and machines. And, um, he's, I mean, he seems to be like kind of like a futurist person, you know, interested in like the next big thing mm-hmm. you can see in his movies, you know, he's with like the CGI, just he, he's always like pushing the envelope, pushing the limits. He wants to see what he can do next, you know. Yeah, I was watching an interview with um, Robert Patrick, the guy who played the T one thousand. Yeah, um, and he was frustrated with with Cameron on the scene where he's like walking out of the fire yeah. uh, after the semi truck uh-huh. explodes, um, because in the in the final product, it's uh, the CG liquid metal guy like yeah. rematerializing into the human form. Yes. And he wasn't into it. Well, he didn't know how to act like he didn't oh. know, like, like because the technology wasn't there yet. Yeah. Like he just kind of knew that they were going to have this, um, like computer generated, like transition from, yeah. from this like animation to the human person. Yeah. And it was so new. He was yeah. like cutting edge. What, but what I like about this, I think this movie is very much about the human world meeting the robotic world. Uh, just like the inorganic and what, like what the implications are, but also how do we make this work? Like, I think James Cam- James Cameron was like being realistic about it. Like mm-hmm. we can't do anything about this. How do we make this work? And he's also like impressed by it. Like, I don't yeah. think he necessarily necessarily sees it as a negative, you know, right, right. like even when you see him making his movies, like he was doing a lot of cutting edge stuff, but he did it with discretion. Like he does practical effects when he can, but, but I mean, cause he's into it. I mean, well, yes, it looks better, but I think he's just, he's into like this, this balance of when this meets that, you know, yeah. like um, there's things that he could have, he, he could have done with a computer, but what, uh, what comes to mind is that he used twins. He used, he used twins twice in this movie. So um, Linda Hamilton has a twin 
and he oh. and he uses her in the movie. So at the end in like the the factory, when Sarah Connor's calling out to John, and it turns out to be the T one thousand. That's oh. her. That's Linda Hamilton's twin sister. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's and amazing. and then um the 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 at the facility, the cop in front of the vending machine, and the, like he comes, the same cop. Comes, oh yeah, that's yeah. his twin. Oh, so. I mean, like, you know, Cameron's into, like, practical things, too. Like, he's not yeah. he's not just this guy that's, like, using gratuitous amounts of CGI. Um, I mean, he, he's using it for, for like, utility and story and, you know, like, when to make shit, like, ultra cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of glossed over in my, in my watching for this, um, the, uh, the liquid, all the liquid metal CGI, you know, uh-huh. if you take that out of it, it is a lot of practical uh, a lot, a lot. There of is, yeah, effects. especially when you get to like the big stunts, the big action yeah. sequences, which the there's semi a, there's a ton. Off yeah, of the uh, bridge down. Yeah, into that the, looks like uh, fucking great, and you can tell that's yeah. all practical. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Arnold uh, driving the bike off, you know, and then like I think that he was on wires or something. It was like a stunt guy on wires, but I mean, still like. I mean, it, it, it looks real because it is, you know, he's like mm-hmm. using like real things. So like, yeah, like I said, he's not like too overly good, gratuitous with it. And I think in the first maybe third of this film, you get um, you get technology framed in this way, like in the way it keeps people apart. Like, um, but like even like all like not not just like modern technologies, but like simple technologies, like how, you know, doors and locks and stuff keep people apart, mm-hmm. like Sarah Connor from like this team looking at her like you get this way and like technology doesn't serve us yeah but then it starts to churn over the course of the movie um and and this movie highlights like a lot of different technologies like after after the like the beginning scene where it shows the war between uh machines and humans we get a quick cut it's like a smash cut and we're looking at the the grill of a semi like what like why and it's because like like i mean like James Cameron's like setting us up like what are we thinking about we're thinking about technology and the way things work you know and we can't dismiss we can't dismiss like simple technologies that like help us through our everyday like cars you know right um cars get a lot of play in this movie Arnold's bike gets like a lot of close-ups in this movie um when they're busting um Sarah Connor out of the facility um she's on the floor looking up at the Terminator and he's framed and like this can't be my, by mistake because you know Mm-hmm. James Cameron is very meticulous, but if you see the frame, it's Arnold's head, it's a sprinkler, and it's like a light fixture, and it's just like those are two technologies that you know, like make our modern lives possible. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, there's no other reason why he would have that in that frame. Like, you know, like oh, I'll just put a sprinkler yeah. in there. You know what I mean? Um, this is a really good point because um, I, I didn't really think about it this way, but relating it to the way Cameron uses technology in, in his filmmaking, yeah. You know, like pairing the theme of, uh, you know, the, this technological fatalism idea with the way he uses technology in his films. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like living in that balance yeah. right? uh, because it it's uh, he doesn't know how he's going to use it even, you know, like mm-hmm. to, to go back to the example of uh, Robert Patrick and being frustrated with the director because he doesn't know like how it's going to work. Yeah. Cameron doesn't know how it's going to work either. Um, like to that interview like robert patrick said that cameron said to him he's like you know we're making film history right now right <laughs> like <laughs> it's gonna work out you know, i love we'll, that we'll confidence yeah because yeah. he was absolutely right but yeah. like how do you even know that like yeah. fuck you <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but that, that's cool yeah that that uh that it's there the the double-sided sword aspect of technology yeah i mean I, I, like i think in certain ways this movie is like a love letter to technology in a way because it, it ends on a on a hopeful note and if you, if you like take in mind that last monologue from sarah connor about hey maybe if a machine can learn to like value a life like maybe we can too yeah it's like a it's like kind of like a got you but it's also you know oh they got there first you know <laughs> like he he, he thinks I don't, I think, I think he thinks like very highly of where technology is going. And I think, I think this, like this, this movie is like him telling people like trust in it. It's going to be okay. Right. In a way. Um, but I, I think there's like so many like little details in this movie where organic or meaning is meeting inorganic. And I like, as far as like, I was, I saw this earlier in the movie. I was like, Oh, like, duh. Um, Arnold wearing his black leather jacket, like obviously iconic looks fucking awesome. 
but leather, you know, organic material mm. fused with inorganic, like this hardware, the zippers, yeah. like the metal, you know, like, and he's got his, you know, human skin tissue, like over the exoskeleton, ex- which is another example of that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so like James Cameron is, it, it, he just keeps on hitting like this thing about, yeah, like technology meeting humanity. And I think this movie ponders what makes each thing it's its own thing, you know, or yeah. like what makes a human human what makes a robot a robot? Where do these two things meet? And I think, I mean, I, I think he like, we're, we're getting closer and closer toward that answer until the end of this movie. And I think we get there, you yeah. know, I, I love, I love your fr- like framing of it as yeah. humanity and, and the machine like meeting. Um, you know, I think, um, it, it that's John and the Terminator. Like if you if you really look at John's character, yeah, um, I think that's that relationship between John and the Terminator. Um, I think is expressing this this idea that Cameron wants to get across that if and and you know maybe this is uh, like the optimistic way of looking at it is uh-huh. that our the, the the outcomes of our technological advancement are kind of the 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 function of what we put into it, you uh-huh. know, like our harmful tendencies are going to be baked into our technologies. Yeah. You know? Um, but if you have the right approach, like if you have mm-hmm. like a moral approach to the implementation to, of, of technology or whatever, yeah, then maybe things will be okay. Um, you know, like the, the framing of the Terminator with the, the, the life saving like fire sprinkler and the, yeah. Um, the light, the, the lights. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just look, like, look at John's character in his interactions with the Terminator. He's trying to teach it not to kill. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's compassionate. Like, yeah, he's dealing with this violent machine, but like there, there's a deleted scene. Um, I think it's a deleted scene. Because I actually watched the director's cut. I know. It's yeah. almost like we saw two different movies because yeah. I was like scrolling through this to take audio clips and there was like so many things. I was like, I did not see this, did not see that. So yeah, I, <laughs> so this, the scene I'm about to talk about, I think is a deleted scene, but <laughs> when um, John and Sarah escape from the asylum, with yeah. the Terminator, they get a chance to turn on the Terminator's like learning switch. Yeah. And, um, the Terminator walks them through the process in order to do that, in order to uh, turn on the, the learning switch, they have to take out his CPU. And so they, they take out his CPU and Sarah wants to destroy it. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and John convinces Sarah not to destroy it. Like, Hey, we need this technology to, if we're going to, if we're going to prevail. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, that like that, I think I kind of wish it made it into the final cut, but um, I mean, I think I think the things because I saw a couple of them, and I think the things that didn't make it into the final cut, I, I almost think it's a little too much. Like, I, uh, like I, I'm glad Cameron took out a few things because mm-hmm. he holds back just enough where he lets people like chew on ideas for a little bit, yeah. And he's not holding anyone's hand. Um, we'll talk about the end later, but like that alternate ending, there's this part. Oh, um, one part I want to talk about. I'll play the clip that's actually in the movie. Killing Dyson might actually prevent the war. I don't care. Haven't you learned anything yet? Haven't you figured out why you can't kill people? So, I mean, big scene for me, um, but also in the extended cut, in the director's cut, uh, uh, John goes like, he starts, he hits that point and he's talking about Arnold, like having a, a conscience. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what John's talking about is like Arnold having a conscience. And that's, what's important about being a human is that, you know, it's more than rationality, but uh, like, I think he's trying to ingrain, um, you know, the moral principles that you need to have if you're going to wield this power. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. but, but what this movie is, is doing is it's like, it's even more than that. Like he's like, no, you have to like, you have to like be cool too. Like you have to like be a human, like don't forget to be a human, you know, yeah. it's not about like rational, irrational, like just be a human. Like what we played at the top of the show, like he's, you know, the, uh, when he says like teaches him to stay at la vista, like, like he's just teaching him how to like act more natural, be cool. And I think, I think there's like, uh, like this level 
a frivolity that makes us human. And that's important to being a human, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think about this. Yeah. Beyond rationality. You, you're just, yeah. Be, be human, be yourself. Be, yeah. You know, like the, yeah. You, you need to allow yourself the space to be like organic, you know? Mm. And I, I, and like, um, when the scene, when he's like doing the high five, like, high five doesn't like that doesn't mean like really like it doesn't mean anything but it means something to us you know like it's like a stupid thing like i don't i think there's like a seinfeld episode about like high fives you know how how high fives are like stupid what's the deal with high fives (laughs) (laughs) basically (laughs) but yeah like I, i this movie isn't isn't necessarily directing you in any sort of direction um but it is like it it expounds on so many things that like make humans human yeah. Yeah. And it, like, yeah, it's about like frivolity and, and humor and, right. and, and compassion. Yeah. And I think compassion is a big thing in this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I think that's the element of John that he wants to, you know, he wants to put on the, you know, the term, he wants to teach the Terminator compassion. Yeah. Um, when, when Sarah goes wrong. Yeah. Like it's, John's compassion versus like Sarah's like ruthlessness. Yeah. Um, and like, that's kind of, uh, it, it kind of culminates in when, uh, Sarah goes to kill Dyson. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. The, the guy that, uh, uh, is going to end up, you know, creating the technology that leads to Skynet. Yeah. Um, she, there, there's a particular scene where, uh, she has the chance, right? She gets there. Like she's already like shot him once he's wounded. He's on the ground. And, yeah. It's her face. Uh, she's got like tears and rage in her eyes and she's like got the chance, but she can't quite pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, uh, uh, like I love, I love that scene, especially when, when, uh, uh, John comes and, you know, like consoles her, you know, he's, yeah. he's compassionate to her, even though like she did this terrible thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and John is good, you know, like he's life is precious life is precious. Even Dyson's who like, who's going to end up uh, creating this technology yeah. that kills 3 billion people. Yeah. Um, you know, even him, like we cannot, you know, he won't, he won't, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he won't uh, go back on his principles on, you know, yeah. for that. And I think it's like this level of like self-interest that it's just, it, it, it's not, it doesn't work. Like, it, yeah. um, like it, it's saying like, um, she's, like whether um, machine or person, like that's just not a good direction to go down. Because like even in that clip we just played, Arnold says like, "Oh, well, like maybe we will avoid a war if we kill him." You know, right. and he's yeah. like, "No, that's like not the point." You know, um, like don't you know why you don't kill people? And it's because human life is important. And I think that's what John understands. And yeah, like you said, that makes him a good leader. Um, also like there's there's scenes where he like kind of just like takes control of the situation like mm. in this scene when arnold's about to like rip his skin off he takes the kid he's like oh hey like let's go over here you yeah, know yeah. like he kind of like you see him start to take control of the situation and he kind of like fully finds his footing when they're walking into the office building and like all four of them are in their trench coats mm-hmm. and like they got to look like even when they step up to the security guard they all like have smirks on their faces like they know like yeah. <laughs> it's about to go down like we got this um John's like putting his elbow up on the counter yeah exactly he's chilling and like yeah fucking yeah, gun in his waistband <laughs> um but about the uh, Sarah and Dyson scene and um what i noticed about that which is interesting and kind of draws our point about humanity and compassion um, is the fact that like, it's just his, his apartment or his house or whatever is like lined with plants. Like it's all green. There's so much green in that scene. And we don't see that in any other point in this movie. Mm. Um, and, and like, um, when, when Sarah like starts coming to her senses or like, you know, backs down a little bit, um, we get that, like that, the like verdant backdrop of all these like potted plants in the background, kind of a clue, like you know, connecting back to the organic, connecting back to her own humanity. Yeah. So I think that like drives a point further about like, you know, humans and compassion and how important compassion is to people. Cause I think all the villains are like not compassionate people. Like I think the people who are keeping Sarah in this facility, that doctor, like I don't fucking remember his name, but awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. He just has like no compassion for her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the T 1000 too, right? Like obviously no compassion. Yeah. Um, Stone cold. And, and when he goes, when he makes his way to Dyson's house, um, 
the camera guy kind of like sways away from all the potted plants and he's just like it's just like a white wall behind him like yeah like crack, cracked window <laughs> white wall like nope not for you <laughs> another like a, while we're on the topic of uh, uh scenes um that that apocalypse scene what what were your impressions of that that uh just the just the imagery of it oh yeah like yeah i was just I was thinking about myself at four or five watching this. Like I said, had I had toys of the Terminator, and this movie has two apocalypse scenes, like, like full on, like Sarah Connor, shocking, yeah, like like the the shock wave, yeah, and like her bursting into flames, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I what I like about this is um, in the second one, like the longer, more extended one, um, there's a shot of downtown LA, mm-hmm. and in the foreground. It's it's like this house in the hills, like this really nice house, and the city gets destroyed, and then that house gets destroyed. It's like Cameron's way of saying, like, oh, none none of you are safe from this shit, you know. Like, doesn't matter how much money you have, like, you're all gonna die. <laughs> like, it's it's just like this unstoppable force. Like, oh, this is like, this is all of our fate. And then there's like a, a picture, of like there's a shot of a road and a stop sign, and it blows through the stop sign, you know? And it, like, blows through the fence. It blows through her skin, you know? Yeah, it's just, like, so fatalist. And um, I... It it was kind of horrifying, like, the way she's still holding onto the fence, and uh, she, uh, like, it's just this charred body that's still screaming somehow. Yeah. You know, like, that's, like, really disturbing. It it is. is, Yeah, yeah, it's, like, yeah. I mean, it, it had an effect on me. Like I, I don't know how many times I've like dreamt like this fucking bomb went off in downtown LA. Like, I mean, cause I could see downtown LA from my house as a kid, you know, yeah. I could see it out the front like window of my house. And like, I've just had like so many dreams that I was standing in my living room and boom. And like, just like this shockwave coming toward me. Um, yeah. Awful. I probably shouldn't have watched this so young. Scarred <laughs> <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, but Let's listen to uh, Sarah's monologue to herself, which I think is very interesting. Watching John with the machine, it was suddenly so clear. The Terminator would never stop. It would never leave him. And it would never hurt him, never shout at him or get drunk and hit him or say it was too busy to spend time with him. It would always be there and it would die to protect him. That's what I'm talking about. Um kind of like this reliability of technology and how mm. like that's not a, that's not a bad thing you know? yeah <laughs> like, yeah you know like the light the light in your uh in your room and the, the the water that that comes on when you turn on the tap yeah exactly and i don't think i mean this is this is about i mean most of the movie i think like the arc the major arc running through this movie is like arnold becoming like good technology <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and what I what, the 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 connection I see here to um like the sci-fi that I loved reading uh growing up, you know, like as a as a teenager and um is kind of the introduction into like of of like the ethical philosophy into into technology in, mm-hmm. in, into our technological growth. It's yeah. like um like Isaac, Isaac Asimov's, I actually wrote down his like three laws of robotics. If you remember, do you remember seeing iRobot? iRobot? Yeah, yeah. So that was, a, that was based off a, a yeah. Isaac Asimov novel. Um, you know, and, and the concept of the three laws of robotics is a way to build in, um, you know, ethics into, yeah. into this, um, you know, like the, and I'll just read them off the first law a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. Mm-hmm. The second law, a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Mm-hmm. The third law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Now, um, those are the three laws. And if you remember that movie, like even that becomes uh, problematic, you know, for yeah. um, there's, there's loopholes, you know, <laughs> where <laughs> things can, can go awry, but that's, um, that's what I liked about kind of, Isaac Asimov's work is that it was, um, it was, he was using concepts in sci-fi to, uh, focus on a, uh, ethical philosophical question. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the crux of it, right. is like basically yeah. the, the double-edged sword of, of technology that it's, um, it is perilous like this, this journey we're on because I mean, I don't go like 
I don't go a month or two without seeing some kind of article about runaway AI, like how scared people are about AI. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, I don't know how true this is, but apparently there's like a branch of government that just like makes plans. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're just like, they're like, what happens when like technology takes over, you know, like, yeah. Like well, they have, there's like a people, think tank. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, uh, some serious people are, I uh, consider, consider this a existential threat. Yeah. You know, to, to humanity. I was, you know, doing a, uh, some Googling, uh, over the last couple of days, I found a organization called stopkillerrobots.org. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually a coalition of a lot of organizations uh, currently pushing for international treaties to ban autonomous weapons. Um, and uh, like, I don't know, that's not gonna, that's just, that might delay Pandora's box yeah. opening, you know, because the way I kind of see technological advancement advancement is like convergent on something. You yeah. know? It's like kind of like how, Thomas Edison, you know, he might be the guy credited for inventing the light bulb, but if he didn't do it, like there were like five other people that were on his like trail. Like right the same, yeah. Yeah. Like, like onto the same thought. Yeah. So if like, it's like take Dyson in Terminator two, like if mm-hmm. he didn't invent the technology, somebody else was going to. Yeah. I mean, which ends up happening, right? I don't know. I don't remember the rest of the movies, but I'm sure it ends up happening. There's six of these movies. Yeah. That's basically what happens in the third one, right? Yeah. Cause they, they avert Dyson's particular version mm. of Skynet. Yeah. And then in the third one, it, it just happens some other way. Yeah. Um, but I, I see like technological advancement, like the way we're going as convergent on some outcome based on, human nature and based on what human like our systems needs are basically. Yeah. And like for autonomous killer robots, the need is for, for states to have military supremacy, Mm -hmm. right? Like the only way you're going to get, that's one way to get military supremacy, right? Is if you have autonomous systems that can react faster than a human being can. Yeah. And, uh, like, it's just, a, it feels like just a matter of time before something like that. Like remove the human element and you become yeah. more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like, yes, I'm a, like a fatalist in the sense of where like, I do feel like we are, like, you know, there is this convergence to like a certain point, but also like, I'm not really that afraid of it. Like mm. if, if we're, if we're in a simulation, like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does that change anything about my experience? Yeah, exactly. So, right? it, yeah, yeah, it really, yeah. Tasty wheat tastes like tasty wheat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if, uh, yeah, what if they, they couldn't figure out <laughs> what to make chicken taste like? Yeah. Why they make chicken <laughs> like the like fact that we're headed like toward a Matrix episode, like it's just inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about the very last scene in this movie, but... Uh, before we get to that, I want to talk about just, I just want to like applaud this movie for all of its action sequences and the way they're, they're so like tightly knit and the way they serve the story so well. Mm-hmm. Like, like first we get like, what's the first thing? I mean, we get the, the war in the beginning, you know? And then, I mean, you, you get Arnold in the bar, mm-hmm. another great set piece. And then you get after that, it's like Arnold chasing John mm-hmm. through the riverbed you get that, you know, you get the big rig crashing off the bridge. You get the bike, uh, you know, him jumping off with the big Harley. Yeah. Fucking great sequence. And it, it just keeps on going on and on and on. Like there's so many set pieces here. Yeah. I love it. Like the most, one of the most memorable stunts in the movie to me is that, that semi coming down and, and into the, into the, uh, um, drainage channel. Yes. That was, that's amazing. And, and like I, like I get, uh, like this sounds fucking dumb, but I get like chills when shit like that happens in movies. Like when I see like a fucking intense piece of action, like I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I mean, Neo and Morpheus meeting like the helicopter when they like jump toward oh, each other. Yeah. I get that. I get that fucking thrill. That's and so like, cool. <laughs> and like, I, like, you know, uh, <laughs> I want to bring up point break. Cause it's one of my favorites, but yeah. like point break, like just like this, when Keanu Reeves jumps out of the plane without a parachute to like chase mm. uh, Patrick Swayze, that is like, that is just like one of the best fucking things I've ever seen in a movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. awesome. I'm just like, oh, he's going to do it. Like every time he's like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said, the last scene in this movie, which kind of, I mean, it, it encapsulates everything that we've been talking about, uh, about, you know, what makes a machine a machine and a person a person and how Arnold's Terminator is, I mean, learning to become a person baking in this frivolity, baking in how to like learn things, you know, he's learning how to high five. Um, there's that part about the keys, um, in the car, you know, where they check oh, under yeah, the visor yeah. and then he does it by himself later. Like he, mm-hmm. he learned that. And then you were, you were talking about Arnold when they were looking at guns. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. He, like, so there's a couple of moments when they're looking at guns. Um, I think there's an expression of joy yeah. when he finds the grenade launcher. Yes. He opens it up and like looks at the looks at the grenade launcher and it's like excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. Like, I think that, there's that like a little something, bit of an expression of yeah, joy there. It's yeah. it's not it, like yeah, it is joy. It is joy, but it, it's not. I think it's like not only does he know like oh this is gonna blow some shit up, but also he's like this looks like fucking cool. You know, yeah. like like yeah. he knows like he looks good. Like the the way that like is. Yeah, like, and then not like like five or ten seconds later, he picks up the minigun. Yeah, and he like turns back to John, and there's a little smirk on his face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he like, and John's all like, "Yeah, that's, that's so you." Yeah, that's yeah. so you. And he like, <laughs> and like he knows he knows he looks good with it. You know. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I I think like a, a significant thing in this movie, um, you know, aside from all of this, is the when they're lowering lowering Arnold. I mean, like first of all, Arnold or Terminator, I should say, uh, understands that he needs to be destroyed too, you know? Mm. And um, it's like where selflessness and rationality meet, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it, it's not only, like, selfless, like, he has to destroy himself, but also, like, it's rational because this technology, like, this is what the whole mission is about, you know? Yeah. But they lower him down into, like, the molten metal, and he gives that thumbs up. And I think that thumbs up is, like, so significant and i i think it's for a couple reasons and i think it's one because i don't i didn't watch the director's cut so i don't know but (laughs) john didn't show didn't show him how to do that no yeah it's definitely not in the director's cut when you pointed that out to me i i love that you pointed it out to me that that he gives a thumbs up it's such a subtle nod to like you know that that uh that humanity yeah because He's, he's a little bit more obvious, like five seconds before he says, I know now why you cry. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, I love the thumbs up way more from yeah, that perspective. But he, he gets that, but also he gets that like people need comfort. Mm-hmm. And like that's his like. His last, like he, yeah. it doesn't matter to him. Like he's he's dead. You know? Yeah, he's exactly. Nothing, that's, but, but yeah, that's just him like, yeah, pure, okay, pure human connection. Yeah. Like, um, but you see him coming up to this like um, when they when they recycle the line for part one, I'll be back. Mm-hmm. it's it's to comfort them like oh no like i'm coming back you know like i'm, I'm gonna go handle this like to go like shoot all the guys in the lobby like shoot right. out their kneecaps or whatever and yeah. come back with the truck <laughs> like you, you see him like start trying to comfort these people and that's like this turn where he's learning more than practical stuff he's learning um i mean more than compassion but like like he's he's getting good at it like he's he, he, he he's like learning how to, to to comfort human beings and and he he understands that like they that he means something to someone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like to stay on this for a second, like the, another element that I didn't, you know, really think about until just now, but um, like self-sacrifice. Yeah. Um, that's an element of John's character that I think transfers over to the Terminator's character because what, like what does John do when, um, you know, like he meets Arnold is like, he wants to go save his mom, even though like tactically, like that wouldn't be, the right thing to do because yeah. that's that's where the T one thousand is going. Mm-hmm. Um, he sacrifices himself or is willing to risk himself to save his mom. Yeah, and um, that's uh, uh, I think a, a, just another another way that like that brings it full circle. Yeah, and they have that conversation, and she's like, "You're, you're too important. Like yeah. you, you shouldn't be you know taking risks like that. You're way too important." Yeah, the rational thing to do is not to do that, but yeah, you know, it's um, it's it's that human the human, the correct moral human thing to do. You know? Yeah. But w- which is interesting because or heroic, because she understands like this, this like uh, future where like technology takes over is certain, but also that must mean that like John is in the future too. So that must be certain too, you know, like, yeah. but, but still, you know, like she's, she's still like so protective of him, you know, yeah, there- that's what makes a, the, the whole, um, there's one aspect of this movie that 
is interesting to me that all of these characters are on on tracks, you know, yeah. towards this future, mm-hmm. this this bleak apocalyptic future until um, they get a chance to change things. Yeah, and then it's like a different. There's a there's a different mood. It hits you too as a viewer. Like you, you oh they connect, they might be able to change things and they're no longer on rails. Like they, I, that, I, I like that element of the movie that, you know, yeah. they, they, they get a chance to, well, doesn't John say things. like she made him memorize something or like, uh, yeah, there's no fate, but what we make is that, is that what, uh, yeah. You're referring to? Yeah, exactly. And like she made John memorize this, like, Oh, we can, we can still change our fate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's what that's speaking to. Um, but you know, like I said, there's six of these, so like, yeah, machines keep coming back, right? Can, can we though? If, apparently, because like that's it's the it's the problem in every six one of these films is that we're bound toward apocalypse. There's a few million dollars telling me otherwise. <laughs> Were there any other scenes from the movie proper that you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, I want to. There's another kind of stray observation about the uh, the. Uh, lowering the Terminator. Yeah. Um, doesn't that smack of uh, Frodo and Mount Doom dropping oh, the ring? Yeah. It's, sim- it's very similar. I didn't even think know. about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, John's got this thing that's precious to him. Like, yeah. And he's got to give it up yeah. for the better of uh, uh, betterment of, of everyone. Yeah. I think uh, that keeps him safe too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just literally it's, it's very similar to, uh, dropping it in. Yeah. Dropping the ring. Just like visually. Yeah. Visually it's. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Outcome is a little different, you know, cause, uh, he does, he makes the right choice Yeah, and goes through with it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about a couple stray observations. Yeah. And we both, <laughs> we both saw like the alternate ending. Oh Yeah. It's so corny. It's bad. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Can you describe it? It's Sarah Connor sitting on a bench in a park and she talks about how the day came that was supposed to be like the day the robots take over. Yeah. And, and she's like, well, it came and everything like everything was going. She names all these things that like right. still happen. Like Michael Jackson turned 40. Oh yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson turned 40. Like people still had sex and she's yeah. like me. I got drunk. I just got drunk. <laughs> I <get> drunk. <laughs> <laughs> the, the corniest thing about it was uh, so she's on a park bench uh watching john and his daughter play yeah. and he's like well john's a senator senator now yeah the weapons he's not fighting the war as it was foretold <laughs> his weapons are common sense and hope <laughs> i was like i'm oh i, I this would have been the worst movie ever made if that ending got in there. I was like, but you know, what, like, good fucking call. But what's sad is that like he wrote that and they filmed that and, like yeah. for a second, like he thought like, yeah, <laughs> nailed. It. Yeah, it has such like a corny air of like let's change him from the inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And then um, I mean, her makeup's bad. She, well, I mean, actually, it's not that bad. But she looks older and they have, they have her aged up, I think like 30, 30 years or something. Yeah. Um, and then her granddaughter comes and gives her a kiss and, um, and, but it's the same, the same last line about humans learning how to value a human life. Right. Yeah. But I mean, just like, we learned that from a heartless machine, <laughs> but looking, I mean, that the last shot that they actually use, like her saying that over like that road, you know, like, you don't know where that's going. Like it's that, yeah. that's fucking great. That's like, yeah. that's fucking classic. Love it. Um, and, um, another thing I wanted to bring up, which is like kind of frustrating in a way, is that James Cameron's like ambition to get like really great action on film and really great mm. shots. And like I was thinking about it and I watched some of these things and like it like it looked like some people like were risking their lives to get some of this shit done. Yeah. Like especially that uh, the helicopter chase where he's chasing the big rig, T one thousand's chasing the big rig in the helicopter. Yeah. He flies under the under the overpass, which I've never fucking seen in any other thing. And there's this point where he's he's going through the overpass, a truck hogs at him, and this helicopter just like just like quickly just like he like yes. almost jumps the overpass. I'm just like, damn, like 
this must have like people were putting their lives on the line for this bullshit. Well, if you want to make film history, you might have to break <laughs> a few eggs. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Like it made me like think like, is this fucking worth it? I mean, there's a lot of things in the news right now about like safety on sets and like you know, dangerous conditions oh, yeah, and, and stuff yeah. like that, you know, and yeah. like people are working unbearable hours. I mean, uh the cinematographer was just killed by by like a, a a bad round in a in a in a gun. It was uh, well, I just saw today, and you know, I think the story is unfolding. But like, yeah, I saw today that they like crew members took that gun out leisure shooting like that same day. So like a, a real round yeah, got awful, in there. You awful. Know, it's like carelessness. Yeah, it's like people not. Being and they weren't having careful. like any safety meetings and stuff yeah. like that. I think it's like kind of important to bring this up because I did notice it when I was watching this movie that like there's a lot of dangerous shit happening in this movie. Yeah. Like clearly, like the stuntmen were doing like hard work, but like. Fuck, dude. I was like, when I was in the helicopter, I was like, helicopters don't move that way. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. um, That's a good point. Yeah. it's a, the, the, the stunts in this movie were, were insane. Yeah. I mean, thank you, but also, whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about? Any more straight observations? Uh, as far as stray observa- observations? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. Oh, uh, I do have one. Yeah. Um, the liquid nitrogen thing. Yeah. I see that coming up in movies all the time. Like, yeah. I'm wondering if this was, if it came from here, if it came from here. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't like, I thought, okay. W- what I like yeah, about, I remember golden eye, like, like the guy, I don't, what frozen. happens? Uh, it's <laughs> the guy gets like frozen uh, uh-huh. by uh liquid nitrogen and shatters. Yeah. Does that happen? Golden eye. Maybe I'm not remembering it. You're, you're thinking correctly. of, you're thinking of Terminator two. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Jason X. It happens in Jason X. Uh, what, I, think I think it's like, that's like, Okay, one like it happens pretty commonly. Kind of silly that like T one thousand gets into like a n- liquid nitrogen truck. Like this right. is gonna be thing, but also like it's it's pretty clever. Like the way this this like story wraps up is like it, it's pretty clever. You know, it doesn't seem like sloppy or rushed. There's no like Deus Ex Machina or anything. Um, um, I, I I appreciate just like how 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 clean the storytelling is in this. Um, which sounds pretentious, but true. Yeah. Um. I love it. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think I have really anything else to say about it. Yeah, I don't think I do either. I think we fucking killed it. <laughs> yeah, this was a good one. I, I think there's, um, yeah, there's a, you know, again, I'll, I'll go back to it. I was like a little leery about this, this one. I wasn't, I was a little afraid I wouldn't have enough to say because it's like, oh, it's, it seems like, um, I don't know, from from a distance, I was thinking about this movie as as something kind of superficial. Yeah, um, but it's really not. Like, there's, there's a. Like I, I love all of the concepts being played with in this movie, you know, from, from time travel and, you know, concepts like fate and like dealing with the actual like kind of logical, um, philosophical, you know, like questions. Yeah. Of fate. It's an intelligent story and yeah. also like it's a humanistic story. And I think it's another great choice uh, for the for the podcast was like just the, the legacy that it that it leaves behind. It, it's got so many imitators and going back again to like all of all of the the news you see about like technological advancement. It's like, hasn't anybody ever seen Terminator two? <laughs> yeah. Come on. That's exactly what I Stop think. It. Like when I see those videos on yeah. Google of like robots doing backflips, it's like, yeah. fuck, I'm not going to be able to outrun that thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> or the one like YouTube videos of like the Boston, uh, dynamics machine where they're like hitting it with a shovel, you yeah. know, like knock it over. And I'm like, have you not seen Terminator 2? Like, be nice to that thing. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we are planning. I think we want to pivot toward more movies that are streaming now, speaking mm-hmm. of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll try to do that for you listening. I think that wraps it up. I hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. That was our conversation about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Thank you for listening. Be careful what you say around your phones, people. The voices you heard today was myself, C.R. Gonzalez, and Patrick Baby Boy Kelly. You can follow us on Instagram. Just type in Film Sloppery. That's F-I-L-M-S-L-O-B-B-E-R-Y. Please subscribe and rate us on your show page wherever you listen. Feel free to share your thoughts. We're throwing a few ideas around about what to do next week. Maybe Men in Black? That sound like fun? Music at the top and what you're listening to now was written and recorded by Randy Flores, good friend of the show, very talented musician. I hope you're listening, Randy. We'll see you next time.